God's Road Grace Church would like to invite you to listen to a sermon by our pastor, Todd Nybert. We are located at 4137 Todd's Road, two miles outside of Manowar Boulevard. Sunday services are at 1030 a.m. and 6 p.m. Bible study is at 945 a.m. Wednesday services are at 7 p.m. Nursery is provided for all services. For more information, visit our website at toddsroadgracechurch.com. Now here's our pastor, Todd Nybert. I've entitled this message, Consider. Our text is found in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. The writer to the Hebrews says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider. There's where the title comes from. Think about this. Think attentively. Consider the apostle and the high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. The writer to the Hebrews addresses those who can be termed holy brethren and partakers of the heavenly calling. That describes every believer. Every believer is a holy brother, chosen to be holy, redeemed and made holy by the Holy Spirit. And they have been called by God with this special calling. And they're called upon And you and I are called upon. Every man ought to consider this. The apostle and the high priest of our profession. Now, our profession is speaking of what every believer believes. The word means to speak the same thing. Every believer believes the same thing. And it has to do with the apostle and high priest of our profession. Now, the word apostle means sent one. I know there were the 12 apostles, but this is not speaking of those apostles, but he that is sent of God. Christ Jesus is the sent one. He was sent of God. I'm so thankful. He said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the will of him that sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but raise it up again at the last day. Faith is, they said, what must we do that we might work the works of God? This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. He is the apostle, the sent one of our profession, and he's our great high priest. Now, a priest is someone who represents men to God. He takes that man and brings him to God. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't come on my own. God's holy, I'm sinful. The only way I can come is if Christ presents me as my great high priest. 
I think one of the best examples we have of what that means is in verse John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. These things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation of our sins. That word means the sin-removing sacrifice. Now, our great high priest is our advocate before the Father, and he makes his clients plead guilty. And he makes all of his clients not guilty. What an advocate, what a great high priest he is. He brings his own blood. He doesn't bring the blood of a goat or a bull or a sheep. He brings his own blood and he's perfect. And he brings us to the Father through himself. Now consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Now I want to focus on this word, consider. Consider. I want us to consider what the Bible says to consider. And I've got seven or eight verses where we read of this word, consider. Now, in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is speaking of Moses. And he says, beginning in verse 30, And when forty years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in the midst of a flame of fire in a bush. Now, do you know the story? Moses was out in the wilderness tending the sheep of his father-in-law, and he looked upon a bush that was on fire, and it could not be consumed. Now, I don't know how long Moses looked at that bush. Maybe it was struck by a bolt of lightning and started burning. And maybe while Moses was in that area, he looked, the bush never was consumed. The fire kept going. Verse 31, when Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight. And as he drew near to behold it, Now, that word behold is the same word in the original translated consider from the verse of Scripture we just read. When he drew near to consider it, the voice of the Lord came unto him. Now, let's consider this sight that Moses considered. Did you know that God calls himself him that dwelt in the midst of the bush? Now, God spoke to Moses out of that bush. Consider, that bush, that fire, did not need the energy of the wood of that bush to keep burning. And that fire could not consume that bush. And think of those two things. The fire did not need the energy of the wood to keep burning. And that fire could not consume that bush. Now that speaks of the independence of Jesus Christ as God. He 
has no needs. As that fire did not need the wood of that bush to continue its flame, Jesus Christ has no needs. That can only be said of God Almighty. Jesus Christ is God. He has no needs. He has life in himself. Now you think of how dependent you and I are. We're dependent upon God to give us our next breath. The only reason our heart will pump again is because he wills it to pump. We're totally needy. We need food. We need water. We need shelter. We need Christ has no needs. Now listen to me very carefully. Did you know that Christ doesn't need you? He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your talents. He doesn't need your gifts. He doesn't need anything that comes from you. As a matter of fact, all you have, he gave you in the first place. He does not need you. You need him. You desperately need him. Now, what about that fire that could not consume that bush? When the fire of God's wrath fell upon Christ, and that's what happened on Calvary's tree. He was forsaken by God. He felt the awful frown and the fury of God against sin. That's why he was there. But the wrath could not consume him. Consider that. Now, in 1 Kings chapter 18, when the fire of God fell down upon Elijah's sacrifice, the scripture says the fire fell down, it burned up the stones, it burned up the wood, it burned up the dust, it licked the water up. Elijah had doused it to make sure that people could see this was not trickery. I mean, everything was soaked. And when that fire came down, there was nothing left. The fire consumed the sacrifice and everything associated with it. But when the fire of wrath came down upon Christ, this is the one time the sacrifice consumed the fire. Christ consumed the fire. He satisfied God so that God would say, there's no fury in me. He completely satisfied God. What a beautiful type of the gospel for us to consider. The fire that didn't need the energy of the wood and the fire that could not consume the bush. The deity and the perfect humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in Luke chapter 12, verse 24, the Lord said, Consider the ravens. Consider the ravens. How they sow not, neither reap, which have neither storehouse or barn, barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are you better than the fowls? Now consider the ravens. God provides for them. They don't have storehouses. They don't have barns. God provides for them. They never worry. God provides for them.
Do you know there's nothing more unreasonable and sinful and unbelieving than worrying? God provides to worry about anything materially. God will give you what you need. To worry about anything spiritually, God has provided all that he requires for every believer. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Consider the ravens. They don't worry. They don't build barns and storehouses to try to take care of things if things go wrong. Their heavenly Father feeds them. And then he speaks of the lilies in that same chapter. Luke chapter 12, verse 27. Here's the word consider. Consider the lilies. The beautiful lilies. How they grow. I can't help but think they don't read self-help books to teach them how to grow. Consider how they grow. They grow by the power and grace of God. They toil not, neither do they spin. They're not working to make and sew together and toil and labor for their own covering. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now these lilies, they have a garment. They're arrayed with something infinitely more glorious than the glory that Solomon himself had. Solomon was not arrayed like one of these. And they didn't work for this. They didn't toil for this. They didn't come up with a garment that they made. This is talking about what a believer is arrayed in, what a believer is clothed with, the righteousness of God. Revelation 19 verse 8 says, To her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. And this fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Now, what is the righteousness of the saints? The righteousness of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, Paul said, Oh, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faithfulness of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Oh, what a covering. You don't have to worry about coming up with your own clothing, your own covering before God. If you're a believer, Christ's righteousness is your covering before God. I think of that uh, parable in Matthew chapter 22 of the wedding feast. Without getting into the first part of the parable, at the end of the parable, the king comes in and sees someone without a wedding garment. What did you have to have to be at the wedding feast? A wedding garment. And every wedding garment was provided for the guests. You came to the wedding, you were given the garment. Someone was there 
without a wedding garment. And what did the king say? Friend, how camest thou in heaven without a wedding garment? The scripture says he was speechless. Probably the first time in his life he'd ever been speechless. And the king said, bind him hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness. It is only the righteousness of Christ, the wedding garment that God will accept. Consider the lilies. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Believer, you have nothing to worry about with regard to judgment day because you have the very righteousness and merits, the obedience of Jesus Christ as your righteousness before God. Now in Acts chapter 11, verse 6, Peter had been given a vision. And when I'd fastened mine eyes and considered, now here's this word considered, and what this vision was, was certain unclean animals according to the law. There were things that the Levitical law said were unclean and you were not to eat. Now, these unclean animals came down to Peter in a sheet in this vision that he had. And it was opened up and he heard a voice. It was the voice of Christ. Arise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, not so, Lord. Nothing unclean or common has ever come into my lips and my taste. Now, he shouldn't have said that to the Lord. The Lord said, kill it and eat it. And this was done three times. And Peter saw this vision three times. And then it was let back up into heaven. And you know what the voice said to Peter? What God has cleansed, call not thou common. Now the whole Levitical law has been done away with and fulfilled in Christ. Don't you go back to that law. It's been fulfilled in Christ. This takes away all distinctions between men, Jew and Gentile. Well, Peter always did have a hard time loving Gentiles, and he didn't want to eat with Gentiles, and he didn't want to go in with Gentiles. And God is teaching him all distinctions are taken away. There's no Jew and Gentile. There's no black and white. There's no bond and free. There's no rich and poor. All are one in Christ Jesus, and all these fleshly distinctions are gone. There's not racism. There's, you know, people say the, talk about racism, and, and indeed the very thought of it is evil, but did you know there are not different races? There's one race, the human race. All distinctions between the flesh have been taken away. And listen to this. What God has cleansed, <laughs> don't you call common? God has cleansed every believer and made them clean through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't you dare call that common. Now, I'm going to spend a quicker time getting through these other ones. Um, in Romans 4.19, it says, um, with regard to Abraham, not being weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead. Now, don't consider yourself. Don't consider your works. Don't consider your own body. Dead, that's all it is. Dead in sins. Don't look to yourself for anything 
to save you. Look to God's promise. He considered not his own body, now dead, nor yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now, in James chapter 1, we read, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be, any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. Now, don't miss that, his natural face. This man that's a hearer of the word and not a doer is like a man who looks in the mirror and sees what his natural face looks like. Now, if I look in the mirror of the Word of God, what does God's Word tell me that I am? When I look in the mirror of the Word, well, the Scripture says, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, do you hear that? That is what the reflection of the mirror of God's Word says about me and you. Only evil continually. Now this man that's a hearer of the Word and not a doer only, it says in verse 24, He beholdeth himself and goes his way and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. He forgets that he's a sinner. Now the only way you can hear the gospel is as a sinner. If you're anything better than that, you can't hear the gospel. The gospel is the sinner's religion. And the only way you can hear is as a sinner. When you're nothing but sin, it's easy to trust Christ as your righteousness before God because you really believe you don't have any. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein. He doesn't forget what manner of man he was. This man being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. How's he a doer of the work? Well, the Lord put it this way. Um, this is the work. This is the work of God. That you believe on him whom he has sent. There's the doer of the work. And there's the man that is blessed in his deed. Matthew chapter 7. I believe this may be the most oft quoted passage in the Bible. Judge not that you be not judged. Now, everybody uses that passage of scripture. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Judge not that you be not judged. Don't judge me. Uh, even if you hear something that's contrary to the scriptures as far as a false gospel, error. I say you shouldn't judge other people's religion. Judge not that you be not judged. Don't judge me. And the Lord goes on to say, for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be meted out to you again. Now that is not saying that if you judge somebody, you won't be saved. If that's the case, no one will be saved. We're all so judgmental. I'm judgmental. I judge people all the time. You do too. 
It's wrong, it's hypocritical, but we all do it. But what the Lord is saying is, if you judge, you'll be judged. If you're critical of somebody, and if you judge them and act moral superior, holier than thou to them, they're going to see every flaw you have. They're not going to like you. They're going to be looking for the flaws, and they're going to judge you. With the same judgment you judge, you should be judged. And with what measure you meet, it'll be measured out to you again. You know, you find this is true. If someone is not judging you, you're okay with them. You like them. If somebody's judging you and criticizing you, you see every flaw they have, as the Lord said it would be. But look what the Lord says next. He says, and why can in Matthew 7, 3, let me read it exactly as it is stated. I don't want to read this wrong. Matthew chapter 7, verse 3. And why beholdest thou the mote, the splinter, that's in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam, the log that is in your own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye, thou hypocrite. Now, consider the beam that is in your eye. You know, you won't even be able to see the splinter in your brother's eye if you see the beam in your own eye. Why do you not consider the beam that's in your eye? Now, I love uh, what Paul said in Romans chapter 2, verse 1. He said, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for thou that judgest condemnest yourself, for you that judge do the same things. Whatever you're judging your brother for, you're guilty of the same thing or worse. It's pure hypocrisy. Somebody says, no, I'm not doing the things he's doing. God says you are. Who am I supposed to believe, God or you? God says you are. Oh, always consider the beam that is in your eye. And the last one is found in Hebrews chapter 10, let, verse 25, let us, uh, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Here's what that means. I'm to treat you. The Bible doesn't tell you how to treat me. It tells me how to treat you. I'm to treat you in such a non-judgmental, gracious, non-manipulative, kind, loving, merciful, forgiving way that you're provoked to love me. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. I don't want to provoke you to irritation by me treating you wrong, but I want to treat you in a kind, gracious, merciful, forgiving, non-manipulating way. I can't stand it when people are uh, trying to manipulate me and then they, they're good to me trying to manipulate me to get something. No, that's not provoking to love. Provoke people to love by the kind way in which you treat them. Consider. I hope we'll all consider these things. This is Todd Nybert praying that God will be pleased to make himself known to you. That's our prayer. Amen. To receive a copy of the sermon you have just heard, send your request to todd.nybert at gmail.com. 
or you may write or call the church at the information provided on the screen.